Ladies and gentlemen, how are we doing today? We got another great episode of Talking Football. Austin Cunningham and Justin Treese here. Uh, we just had a great interview with Logan Landemere uh, from the Lions. Uh, a great guy, very knowledgeable about the team. So that'll be uh, here at the end of the episode. It just went awesome. But right now, we're going to go around the laces. We're going to get this knocked out of the way. We were just here yesterday recording. We are going back-to-back days on an episode, mainly because Monday I had just moved to Joplin, and there was a tornado warning coming through town, and I didn't want to just move here and then die. So I decided to hold back, hide out in the basement. No storms happened. You know, thank you. Bless whoever you think um, or look up to and praise. But here we go. Around the laces of talking football with Trees. Uh Jadeveon Clowney back to Seattle for significantly less than he had hoped. That is what we have on the rundown. Uh, the Seahawks have kind of come out and said, hey, like we'll be okay with having him come back. Jadeveon Clowney is going, you know what? No one else has really wanted me in this market. Maybe it's just best I try and stay here in Seattle. Uh, there's somewhat of a contender in this division. We were close last year. Let's just run it back and try and make it happen. And I'm not saying run it back. That's the Chiefs slogan for this year. Uh, the Seahawks. Let's just see if we can kind of swoop in and do the same thing we did last time with Jadeveon Clowney officially here long term. Yeah, and I think it does happen. I think that he now knows that he's not even getting $15 million a year. So why not, one, stay where you were last year because you're familiar with it? And two, why not go to the team that, in my opinion, is winning that division next year and going to be one of the top seeds and going to be a real contender? So, like, why not? Perfect fit for him. So, makes sense. NFC, look out. He's going to be there ready to roll. So, yep, totally agree there. I think that it just it's a perfect fit for both of them. Uh, Cam Irving, a former Chief over there and a former Brown, uh, he ends up signing with the Cowboys this afternoon. A good little signing for them. They've actually – the Cowboys are just making really good moves this offseason. Like, they really are trying to make that difference of, like, what do we have to do to beat the Eagles – and I honestly feel like they're almost there now. Yeah, I would completely agree with Cam Irving, though. Uh, as a personal experience of watching him play with the Chiefs, they better hope to God he doesn't have to play left tackle because uh, he's going to snap Dak Prescott's leg in half. He pretty much did that to Mahomes' ankle after he injured it. Uh, but if he's not playing, he's going to be the ultimate hype man along the sideline. He's going to be someone that's constantly cheering on the success of his teammates. Um, that's, I think, the type of player I would be if I ever found myself in the NFL. Uh, I would just be happy to be there. You know what I mean? I would be happy making millions of dollars to be a male cheerleader for my team on the sideline. That is exactly what Cam Irving does exceptionally well. But if he does end up having to play for the Cowboys, I think it's going to be at that left guard spot if anyone is to get hurt. Uh, that's kind of where his versatility comes into play. So I like this pickup for the Cowboys, though, and kind of what they're doing, Trey says, and you said, on trying to ultimately beat the Eagles in this division, who offense just got significantly faster from the draft. Absolutely. Uh, another thing with staying in the NFC East was Carson Wentz. He actually came out finally and kind of talked about that uh, Jadavion Clowney hit that took him out of the playoff game that we all saw. And um, that's it was an interesting conversation there where it's like, hey, I only have one brain. I don't get another one of these. It's scary. You got to like really protect that and stuff. And like I can really appreciate that. I know a lot of people are like, hey, like you got to be tough. You got to do this. You got to do that as a football player. But 
at the same time, I mean, like, there's a huge difference between playing with a concussion and playing with a sprained ankle. So um, I actually really appreciated that. Um, it's no, no breaking news. We all understood that it was that hit that did it. Let's just say what it is. Like, it was a dirty hit. I can't believe yeah. it. Like, nothing actually happened. Like, penalty. There was a penalty, but, like, not, like, any review or anything like that of kicking somebody out. Like, to me, it was mind-boggling. But um, Happy Wentz, is, he does say that he feels like he's fully recovered from it. He's not having any more symptoms and all that. So that's great coming from, um, you know, a guy that I consider one of the top probably six quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, I think if he doesn't get hurt, they probably win that game in advance in the playoffs. I mean, shoot, who knows? Maybe they find themselves in the NFC Championship game because Carson Wentz was just a magician at the end of games. Like, he was literally forcing the Eagles to keep winning. It was not taking no for an answer, no matter who was dropping the ball or not giving effort to the ball down the field. You understand the look. You know who I'm talking about there. But Carson Wentz, man, like you said, Therese, it's it's awesome to see him fully recovering and being good. It also looks like he just had his baby girl. So congrats on that, Carson Wentz. Happy for you and your family. Hope you guys are staying safe and healthy during this time. Uh, Cooper Rush to the Giants to team up with uh, Garrett. Therese, what are your thoughts here uh, on Cooper Rush signing with the Giants now that Andy Dalton just signed with the Cowboys? <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, teaming back up with Jason Garrett's always good, like going to a coach that you're familiar with, and obviously he has faith in him. Um, and, yes, again, like obviously with Dalton now with the Cowboys, it makes no sense for him to be there. That's why he got released. But um, Daniel Jones is the guy. But one know what? Rush is another athletic guy that if something happens to Daniel Jones, you don't have to change your offensive scheme too much, like where you're still going to be able to do a lot of things you know, on the run and whatnot, getting out of the pocket. So in that sense, it's, it's good. Um, he's not the, you know, the greatest backup quarterback, uh, but it's, you know, what you're looking for in a backup quarterback is probably somebody that's athletic and somebody that knows the system well. And that's exactly what you're, they're getting right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Atrice, I think that kind of pretty much wraps it up for around the laces. Uh, so go ahead and lead us right into the NFC East, man, or the NFC North, excuse me. Lead us into the north. All right. Winter is coming. Lead us to the north on how this is going to go. Okay. All right, guys. We're going to head into the NFC North now. Uh, we have a special guest here for the Detroit Lions. We have Logan Lamarandier. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to it. Yeah. You are actually our first returning guest speaker on this you're the first one that we've had come back for a second time i guess that's a good sign we like each other enough that you wanted to come back and we wanted to have you back so uh that's awesome yeah so, no that's a good thing i'll take that as a compliment absolutely <laughs> so let's just get into just some questions about the lions before we start breaking down into the division uh how they did in the draft so Let's just start off with the, you know, maybe the most basic question, but what are your thoughts on the whole Darius Slay uh, situation? Yeah, I think it was probably the right move for the Lions, just considering where the relationship was at with Matt Patricia and Darius Slay. And obviously you heard all that, you know, Darius Slay said after he was traded, he was very disgruntled, did not want to be there. And even though last year it sounded like Matt Patricia changed his ways a little bit and lightened up, and wasn't trying to be, you know, exact clone of Bill Belichick, but without, you know, all the wins and success that he's had. So it, with 
Slay, I mean, he's a great player. Uh, he might not have been the 2017 All-Pro Slay, but he was still, I think, one of the top cornerbacks in the league. But anytime you're getting to age 29 as a corner or a defensive back in general, you just don't know when these guys are going to fall off a cliff. And Darius Slay wanted to be paid. The Eagles, once they got him, made him the highest paid quarterback in the league. And he's going to be, I think, 33 years old by the time by the time his contract expires. And who knows what his play is going to be like at that point. So for the trade value that I think the Lions got back, I think it was right on par with what the rest of the league probably would have given up. I know there was plenty of fans out there who were, looking at that Jalen Ramsey trade where they got two first round picks for Ramsey, but they're just at different points in their careers where Ramsey was just kind of hitting his prime and Slay was on the tail end of it. And looking at what the Lions got in return, you, you got a third round pick and a fifth round pick, you know, and they also freed up. I think the, the overlooked part is they also freed up ten and a half million dollars of cap space by trading Darius Slay. And that was pretty much the exact same amount of money that they gave Desmond Trufant. So I, I don't mind it. I do think Darius Slay is the better corner over Trufant, but I don't think it's a huge gap. And I think the biggest issue is just going to be for Trufant staying healthy. You got Okuda now in the ranks, you know, working his way up and see what he can do. But I think it was just, it was probably the right move. It maybe it could have been handled a little bit differently earlier on in the process to make Slay happy. But I think it all comes down to, he wanted to be paid a lot and, I don't necessarily blame, you know, especially from that Patriots philosophy is you don't overpay, you know, players that are aging. So it's you kind of got to wait and see how it plays out. And if Darius Slay continues to play like he's played the past couple of years for three or four more years, then, yeah, it's probably a bad trade. But I think the Lions are just betting on that he's going to hit the decline at some point and they're not going to have to be paying him top money to do so. Yeah, awesome. I there. Uh, going off the, the Patriot way that you mentioned there, right towards the end of that answer, um, that's something, the stigma that's always been around Matt Patricia since he came to Detroit was creating that Patriot way here in Detroit. And, you know, you can't just go to a team and expect things to be the same way. You kind of have to build that and kind of looking, standing on the outside, looking in, it looks like he's getting close with that. And you mentioned it as well with how the Patriots, you know, they don't try and overpay for guys. They get rid of them before they get to that decline part. How close do you think Matt Patricia is to kind of getting things to be the same type of way in New England? Do you think he's close enough where fans will kind of realize it in time? Or is he getting to the end of the rope and people are like, hey, this isn't working. We got to get him out of town. Kind of what are your thoughts and what are you seeing, you know, with all of the Lions fans in their mindset towards Matt Patricia heading into this year of coaching. So when Patricia was brought in, it was, you know, well known that he was friends with Bob Quinn and that always kind of seemed to be, you know, it was just something that was, we were all waiting to happen for Matt Patricia to be the next head coach of the lions. And Jim Caldwell had two years under Quinn and when, you know, back to back nine win seasons and when Quinn basically said that wasn't good enough, we, you know, he had to get something, a guy that can get over the hump that, were the expectations for Matt Patricia not to win nine games in two years. So at that point, you're, you're now wondering, okay, is he the right guy? And I know sometimes there's a culture change and especially one with that was dramatic as going from Caldwell, who was a player friendly coach that all the players seem to love, even all the outspoken players that Matt Patricia has kind of seen, you know, kind of cast off, you know, they all were getting along well with Caldwell and, so with Patricia, again, that culture change, 
it's going to be a shock for some guys. And you might need a couple years to adjust for that to really instill your type of culture that you want to build. But at the same time, Patricia wasn't afforded that luxury of having time to, to build up what he wanted to build. He was brought in to win now. So if he doesn't win this year, and Martha Ford even said at the end of last year, the expectations, and she kind of worded it funny where she just wants to be in playoff contention. So that's a little bit vague because at the end of the year, especially with seven teams now making the playoffs in each each conference, you could be a seven or eight win team and still technically be in contention for playoffs. But I think it's gonna there's going to be a lot of factors that kind of play into that of where, you know, just how the team looked, especially on the defensive side of the ball, with Patricia being a defensive guru, that's supposed to be his calling card. If their defense can't turn around, can't even be in, you know, in the middle of the league, what's the point of having this defensive-minded head coach when it's Daryl Bevel who's in the offense that's carrying the team? So I I do think it's 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 got to be going in the right way. Uh, it can't get much worse from last year, but they're going to have to prove – improve quite a bit uh from a three-win season in this season to stick around in my belief and i honestly i think quinn and patricia are probably tied at the hip together yeah that would make sense interesting interesting though like that's great insight there so you brought up true font earlier and i thought that that was like a very key signing for this team not just because he's a talented player but because he's a vet that can go with justin coleman to groom Jeff Akuda. So what are your thoughts on just that trio of cornerbacks? Um, are you happy with that? Is there anything you're concerned about with that trio at this point? Uh, not too much. I think Coleman, the Lions made him the highest paid slot cornerback last year in the league. And with the Lions defense, their base defense pretty much always has five defensive backs on the field anyways. And sometimes it's a safety and sometimes it's a nickel corner. So I'm I'm fine with Coleman. He struggled towards the end of last year after a really hot start. But I think a lot of cornerbacks in the NFL would have had issues considering what the or the defensive line, how they just couldn't get any pressure on the quarterbacks. And you look at all the metrics and the Lions, you know, were pretty much a team that blitzed the fewest and brought only three man rushes the most and also allowed most time for quarterbacks. So that puts the corners in a pretty difficult spot. Trufant, I, I like him as a player. Uh, I last year he was actually having a fairly decent season. You know, he's made the Pro Bowl one year, a few years back. Uh, I again, he's not Darius Slay, but I think he's a very solid starter. I don't know if he's a true cornerback one, like a high end cornerback one, but with Okuda, you never know what you're going to get with rookies. I know rookies, there is a learning curve at the position, but you've seen a lot of these previous draft picks that have been high draft picks from cornerbacks or just first round picks in general that have come in. And had some decent success. And you look at Marshawn Lattimore, who was a Pro Bowler his rookie year. Denzel Ward, I believe, made the Pro Bowl as his rookie year. Uh, Tredavious White, you know, has had a really solid career. Jalen Ramsey is another guy. So there's plenty of examples of these high round picks that have really come in and made an instant impact. And I think Akuda has all the traits that you look for, especially in the Lions man press heavy scheme that you look for that I think can really be an impactful player in year one. I'm not setting the bar super high as rookie year, but I think he can be, you know, almost instantly that cornerback too and progress as the year goes on and be probably the best second cornerback that the Lions have had on their team in a really long time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I speak for a lot of people, which I'm sure you're the same. Like besides Jalen Ramsey, he's the best prospect at cornerback I've ever seen. So I have high hopes for him. I think that he's going to be like we're talking all pro status by year three for him. I think he's that talented of a player for sure. Yep. And outside of Chase Young, he was my second best player on the draft board, you know, outside of quarterbacks, just because their value is so high. But I think, yeah, Akuda to me was a no brainer at pick three. And I'm glad the Lions made that pick. I agreed 100%. Yeah, you would have liked to trade down, but that just wasn't in the cards. It wasn't going to happen. Teams weren't willing to trade up and they were left to pick at three. And I thought they picked the best player available who was on the draft board at that time. Agreed. Fantastic. I do think the lines getting a CUDA there is great for them, but I want to go ahead and take this over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, and your franchise quarterback, Matthew Stafford guy goes down last year with a back injury early in the year. You guys played a lot of close games. I mean, it really kind of came down to shooting yourselves in the foot or a silly turnover there. I mean, playing against the chiefs, there was a feeling that you guys were going to win that game. Chiefs end up coming back or winning that, you know, late in the game. But that was kind of how the Lions season went last year when Stafford was playing. Then he goes down with an injury. Kind of what are your thoughts with Matthew Stafford's future here in Detroit? There were rumors of him being traded. Now they're wanting him here. I mean, of course he's here. But kind of what are your thoughts with them? And the same with the fans. How much longer are you guys wanting Matthew Stafford? Are you wanting them there for your career? Or are you guys kind of getting to a point where like, maybe we should kind of start looking elsewhere as the injuries are starting to pile up year after year? Yeah, and I think it's a vocal minority that's probably, you know, in favor of moving on from Stafford. There's plenty of Stafford supporters out there as well as detractors, but Stafford, he's in a really odd situation because there's not many quarterbacks in the league that uh, have had the surrounding cast of Stafford where he just ha- never have a running game. He's been in the league now 11 years, and in that span since 2009, the Lions had the worst rushing attack in the NFL. Not once have the Lions ever been in the top half of the league in rushing when Stafford's been around. And you, you look at all these young quarterbacks that come in and produce right away. A lot of times they have a great surrounding cast and receivers. Yes, they make the flashy plays and, you know, make the highlight reels. But outside of the Kansas City Chiefs, really, this year, you go back and look at like the past 10 Super Bowl winners and or the even the teams in the Super Bowl. And you don't need to have the great receivers. It's typically having being able to run when you need to run against, you know, when teams know you're going to run, you can still run it and you have a solid defense. And that's never really all came together for Stafford. And a lot of times the great quarterbacks will elevate and overcome. But when you look at quarterbacks that are in the similar situation uh, as Stafford, Stafford still is one of the better quarterbacks. I, I, I think it's difficult for a lot of people to kind of comprehend just how bad Matthew Stafford has had. And everyone always goes to, Oh, he had Calvin Johnson. Well, he did have Calvin Johnson, but I just mentioned that the receivers wins the last great receiver to win a super bowl. I mean, Tyree kill. Yeah, he's great. But even before that, you're looking around, it's like, you don't have these top echelon receivers that are winning the super bowls. And with, with Stafford, I think the injuries are a little bit of a concern right now. Having back injuries, you never really know how that's going to play out. You saw what happened to Tony Romer's career. Uh, it kind of you know, made him retire, essentially. But all reports are that Matthew Stafford is fully healthy. If they had training camp today, he'd be able to fully participate. The trade rumors in the offseason that were floating around, GM Bob Quinn 
you know, sent out a text to the beat reporters basically saying that's 100% false, that they're not trying to move him at all. And even teams that inquired about Stafford were all turned down and said, you know, it's not even an option. So and especially with this year with his cap hit, uh, it wouldn't make sense for them to trade him this year. Now, maybe if there's a new regime next year uh, that were to come in and the cap hit, the dead cap to trade Stafford wouldn't be as much. And Martha Ford gives this new regime kind of that hall pass of saying, all right, you have three years to rebuild, then maybe it makes sense to move on from Stafford. But I still think Stafford is a quarterback that can win as long as he has a little bit of help. And just recently, there's been no help on in the defense or run game. So it's that's where I'm at. I know I sound like a broken record because we're saying that every year, but that's just the hardest part to really understand is that every year we're saying this, but it's not like anything's changing every year. He still hasn't had a run game, and the defense outside of one year hasn't been very good. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you because I, we, we've talked about Stafford more than almost any player on this podcast. Like we're, I, yeah. He's just so fascinating on this situation because of how talented he actually is, and it's him not winning a playoff game. It's not a reflection of his talent and his leadership. It is the reflection of just that team around him. So we agree there. Um, so before we get into the rookie classes here, so a couple more questions. What do you think is the biggest strength and weakness on this Detroit Lions team heading into the 2020 season? So I think their their biggest strength is probably the passing attack with a healthy Matthew Stafford. You saw it last year before he went down with injury. Yeah, Stafford had the most was averaging the most yards per game through the air. And uh, Daryl Bevel came in and really changed the whole philosophy of that offense where they were going to start taking some deep shots. And both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, despite not having a ton of separation and their big bodied receivers, they use those bodies to their advantage. And they have super strong hands and body control to come down with those deep catches uh, that that's just very difficult for teams to stop because even when they're well covered, they still can make a catch. So that's, I think, the strength of the team right now. The biggest weakness, uh, I would still probably say defensive line and just pass rush in general, but I don't think that with Matt Patricia's defensive philosophy that he necessarily emphasizes the the pass rush. He likes to have uh, rely more on coverage than pass rush, and it's usually a lot of coverage sacks and that's how they get the rush um, or get to the quarterback. So I don't know if that would be considered a weakness, but definitely like from a paper standpoint, looking at production, I think they have a long ways to go in terms of getting to the quarterback. I know they drafted Julian Accord in the, th- in the third round, who is a more of a pass rush specialist, Trey Flowers. So they paid a lot of money last year. Uh, he has just an all around good player. And again, that goes back to that philosophy of Matt Patricia wanting a guy that can play against the run. And Trey Flowers is one of the best defensive ends against the run, but his pass rush ability, it's, it's limited. He uses a power technique. He's never been a double digit sack guy, but he usually has pressures, which still means something, but it's just, they got to get home to the quarterback and, you saw too many times last year with from average to below average quarterbacks just tearing up the Lions secondary because they had all time, all the time in the world back there to, to find an open receiver. Right. Perfect. Um, Drees, you want to go ahead and get into this? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Perfect. So now it is time for our NFC North. Fuck, Mary kill. Carol Baskin explaining this 
which draft do you want to marry? What draft do you want to, you know, just have a good time with for maybe one night? See how it goes. Which one do you want to get rid of? And then which one is just the worst thing that could have happened in the division for this team in the draft? That's the Carol Baskin. You can't convince me it didn't happen. She killed her husband. No doubt about it. Logan, let's go ahead and start with you, dude. The the Lions here on their draft, what are your thoughts overall top to bottom and kind of what that production from these draft players or the players drafted here will bring to the Lions next season? Yeah, so I think the Lions, for the first time in a long time, Bob Quinn, I think, really nailed the draft in terms of just where the value fell on the board and also fitting them up with need. Now, the Lions had a lot of need, but Jeff Akuda, as I already mentioned, I think was the obvious pick at pick three. Uh, cornerback was a big need that they needed to fill. Even if they had Darius Slay, I still think Okuda would have been the selection there. So I'm happy there. DeAndre Swift, a little bit of a luxury pick considering a running back is devalued now in the NFL. But also you have to look at the Lions are still, you know, it just seems like forever they've been searching for a running back. So maybe they got one in Swift. Akpora, I mentioned him as well. He's a pass rushing specialist in the Lions need pass rush. So I'm happy there. And then perhaps the biggest hole on the Lions team was that right guard spot after Graham Glasgow left in free agency and signed a pretty big contract with the Denver Broncos. And Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg, they went back-to-back guards, kind of two different style of guards where Jackson is more of a technician uh, pass protector. And Logan Stenberg is just a nasty man and was voted the most disliked player in the SEC and can move people in the run game. So those, those top five picks I'm all pretty happy with. Yeah, I'm with you. So Aquara is actually one of my favorite players in the draft. So when you guys got him in the third round, I was very, very excited for you guys. Uh, We did a a very fun mock draft a couple days before the draft where we went kind of crazy with trades and whatnot. And I actually had Aquara going 33rd overall to the Bengals. So getting him at 67 was just fantastic value, in my opinion. Uh, You talked about, you know, Swift maybe being a luxury pick, but... For the most part, he was a lot of people's running back once. So getting a, the number one player at a position in the second round is just fantastic value. Doesn't matter the position, really. Um, so I love that. You know, you do have to worry about his shoulder injury. That's the only, literally that's the only concern with Swift. If it wasn't for the, that, he would have been the pick at 32 for Austin's Chiefs. Like, no questions about it, in my opinion. But, um, heck, maybe even the Dolphins would have taken him at 26 at that point. So um, I love the first three. You already talked about your offensive guard, how you guys needed that. Um, And then you, you know, you got, you got just big nasty guys at the end with going back to back defensive tackles. So um, you talked about defensive line there. You got guys that are just ready to plug up holes and just try to push that interior offensive line back. So I really like that. Yeah, no. And, the defensive tackles, Penasini, I had a lot higher on my board than he ended up going, so I thought that was great value. He's just a run stuffer, but he does it very well. He's kind of has an odd body shape. He's only 6'1", but he's 320 pounds almost, and he does. He doesn't provide a ton rushing the passer, but in the Lions scheme, uh, uh, they don't necessarily want that. They just want someone that can two-gap. That's that's their scheme is to fill multiple holes, and Penasini can do that. Deshaun uh, Cornell. He's kind of a tweener, a little bit of a defensive tackle, defensive end, was a highly rated prospect out of uh, out of high school. And he just, on a very talented Ohio State defensive line, couldn't really find a role, a steady role on the team until, you know, last year where he produced 
all right. But, you know, he has some nice traits, but I don't know. At, at this time, I think he's probably more of a practice squad candidate unless he just has an unreal preseason, if a preseason even happens. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. That's awesome. So we're going to just break down some other divisions. We'll get your takes on some of the picks here, and then we'll kind of just get into our rankings here. So I'll just start us off with the Packers. All these, this division, for some reason, seems like they all had double-digit picks by the end of the by the end of the draft, it's crazy how many picks everybody had. So we'll probably only go over the first four or five picks for every team at this point, uh, just because we're not going to bother everybody with a whole bunch of seventh round guys. So we'll start with the Packers. Uh, they obviously traded up for Jordan Love, Utah State kid. Um, value, I think, is there. Uh, I think that they the idea is good, but also at the same time, you're one game away from a Super Bowl. Like, is that really the route you want to go? You have this short window. Like, do you really want to waste it right now? So it's tough, but I get the reasoning. Um, then round two, A.J. Dillon running back. This one is the pick that just makes me, like, want my head to explode. Doesn't make any sense. You already have two running backs in, you know, uh, Jones and Williams. So it just doesn't really make sense there. Uh uh, Josea DeGuara, I believe is how you pronounce mm-hmm. his name, fullback mm-hmm. slash tight end. Uh, that's an interesting one. Like what what style of offense you're trying to go with here? You have uh, Jay Sternberger from last year from Texas A&M. That's, uh, that's interesting. And then uh, Kamal Bar- Martin, the linebacker, who I really actually do like. And we've talked a lot, Austin and I, just throughout the last – three months since they got booted out of the playoffs, just how they got bullied. They basically just got bullied in the NFC championship game. You have to get tougher up the middle and and that's defensive tackle and linebacker. I think that does kind of help that spot. I still think their defensive tackle spot is weak, but um, overall I don't have a problem with that pick. So right now I don't love it. Um, It just seems like you wasted a second and third round pick. First rounder, I still would have gone a different route considering you guys need a wide receiver desperately and you didn't take one this entire draft. Uh, Mind-boggling to me. But also at the same time, like if you believe he can be your quarterback of the future and you're like, okay, let him sit behind Rodgers for two years and then he's our guy for the next 15 years. I mean, you can't you can't be mad at a team for thinking that he's going to be your future at quarterback. Uh, it's the most important yeah. position on the field. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I I agree. Go ahead, Logan. I'm Go sorry. Ahead. Okay. No, it's it's just one of those things where it's, when you're so close and you still have Aaron Rodgers, you know, you have a limited window. And I really feel like the Packers didn't do much of anything to really improve their team. And A.J. Dillon, you know, was kind of like a favorite mid-round type of sleeper, you know, in, in the fourth round. I just don't understand why pairing him with, with Aaron Jones, it's like, okay, yeah, it's it is what it is, but is it really going to improve the team that much? He's just basically a pounder. Um, yeah, he's fast and explosive, but he doesn't have a bunch of wiggle. He'll run people over, but it's like, I just don't understand how there was no receiver, uh, you know, when they obviously need receiver help and they didn't come away with a receiver in one of the strongest receiver draft classes of the last <laughs> decade. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same exact boat there. I like the way you ended that. That's exactly what I was going to say. So let's go ahead and move on to the Bears then. Uh, Bears didn't have a first round pick, of course. They traded that away in the Khalil Mack trade. So they go in round two. They get Cole Komet. Uh, 
a tight end who I think is a good pickup in this spot. And then they end the second round with getting Jalen Johnson, um, a corner who was projected, you know, as a first round grade. This guy was someone that a lot of people were mocking to go in first round. He ends up falling in the second. The Bears get him. So those first two picks I'm, I'm happy with with the Bears. They then go get uh, Travis Gibson, um, an outside linebacker, and then they get depth at corner, receiver, offensive line. But really the main question is going to be is is Mitchell Trubisky going to be able to step up? Is Cole Komet going to be able to make a big enough of an impact as a rookie? Um, I heard today that Komet is going to be the Travis Kelsey in this offense for Matt Nagy. But when you have Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback, is he going to make the right read? Is he going to make the right decision? And honestly, is he going to hit the throw when it's there? So that's the huge question for the Bears here. I don't care what you did in the draft because you got to figure out your quarterback situation or this window that you have with one of the greatest defenses that you know, you've somewhat aligned there in Chicago might just be a waste in those first round picks that you gave away for one to trade up to get Mitchell Trubisky and to get Cleo Mack are looking like a waste at this point if nothing works out. And I kind of feel bad for Matt Nagy because I think he was honestly in a situation where he can make something happen as a head coach. And he's kind of been screwed over with having Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback. I hate to just sit here and shit strictly on Trubisky, but that's honestly where we're at with him. Yeah, no, that's the truth. That's why they brought in Nick Foles. You know, who knows if Trubisky even, I'm sure he'll probably start this year, but Foles uh, is probably going to be nipping at the heels. And Foles has had some success in the league. It's It's been up and down, but obviously he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. And anytime you can say that, you know, a quarterback has to be somewhat okay. And he had a great Super Bowl run. But yeah, Cole Komet, I thought it was a little high for him, especially, you know, the Bears just paid Jimmy Graham in free agency. They released Trey Burton. They still had Adam Shaheen on the roster, who is now looking like he might be on the outside looking in, and he was a former second-round pick. And anytime you don't have a first-round pick, it's going to be tough to make a huge impact in the draft. And the Bears only had two uh, you know, second-round picks, and that's the only picks that they had in the first four rounds. So I, I actually really – I don't know if I like the Cole Komet pick, especially considering how, how tight ends take some time to develop. Like Again, what's, what's that impact going to be in year one, and with, especially with Jimmy Graham there? Uh, and then Jalen Johnson, I actually like Jalen Johnson a lot. They got him at pick 50. Uh, I thought that was a great value. They needed a cornerback, um, you know, outside of Fuller. Uh, so I, I really like Jalen Johnson. I, I was kind of jealous the Bears got him. But uh, and then Travis Gibson, fifth round, I thought it was has some high upside potential, but never has really put it all together. But the traits are there. But, you know, those two picks, I thought were all right. And then even... Uh, Darnell Mooney, the guy out of Tulane, one of the fastest guys at the combine and a receiver, really small, but you know, I, I just want speed. That's one thing I wanted in the Lions. And they did the opposite of that by drafting Quintez Cephas, who's a good football <laughs> player. He's just not fast, but Mooney is going to be an interesting, uh, player, especially, you know, with Gabriel gone now in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I was going to bring up with Taylor Gabriel gone. He, there's that slot open for him to be a slot receiver, pun intended there. But um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you guys. Jalen Johnson, I'm obviously, for those of you that are new to listen to this, from Utah, Utah season ticket holder. So I've I've watched Jalen Johnson quite a bit in my lifetime, and he's uh, he's going to be a baller on that defense, 100%. So uh, commit, like, he's going to be good. Like, I think that, just as Logan said, though, it takes 
tight ends a couple years to usually get you know up to speed with the NFL. So doesn't make a difference this year. Doesn't make an impact. It, it probably doesn't because he's honestly not that good of a blocker either. He's more of that receiving tight end. So that'll be interesting. Uh, moving on to the Vikings, though, uh, they got my ride or die, Justin Jefferson, letting him just slide to him and they get they get him, uh, in my opinion, still the first round. I think that that's just a fantastic pick. Uh, I would rather have Justin Jefferson than Stefan Diggs at this point in their careers with the way that Diggs is acting anyways. I know that Diggs is a fantastic route runner, fantastic wide receiver, just with how much he wants to get paid and the way he acts sometimes. I'd rather have Jefferson. Uh, Jeff Gladney, a little bit shorter of a cornerback, but still he was a stud at, at TCU. Uh, they needed it, obviously, with Xavier Rhodes leaving and all their other cornerbacks leaving as well, actually. They lost three corners, so uh, that was good. They took Cleveland, the uh, left tackle out of Boise State there, and then uh, Camerson, uh, what, how do you pronounce his last name? Dantzler. Dan yep. Dantzler, yeah, thank you. So uh, the cornerback there who he's the one that had the crazy difference in 40 times, right? Um, from yeah. it is from <laughs> combine to pro day that randomly improved like half of a second. So um, but he's still a good player. Like he really is. Hey, you need to do that, Austin, right? Yeah, I so, need I need to get in contact with his people. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Logan, Austin has a little bet with some of his friends of running a 40, and he has to do that in, I think, two or three weeks from now. And he has to be oh. under, under a 5-0 at that point. If not, that beautiful beard you're seeing is going to be gone, and it's going to be just a mustache. <laughs> yeah. Just the stash. And, uh, this beautiful beard has not not been there since the summer of 2016. <laughs> uh, I did a little oh pre a pre time on it before uh, a couple weekends ago and <laughs> it's not looking good guys uh, <laughs> it's not looking good <laughs> um, oh i would be scared to run a 40 right now <laughs> oh it, it hurts dude i <laughs> this whole all these leg workouts and then climbing stairs to get into the office i'm about done with it i i just want to go back to being lazy and not doing anything but here we are you know i got to run my mouth <laughs> love it love it um so austin what's your opinion on this draft for the the Vikings, dude, I love it. Uh, you know, they're kind of in a situation of losing a receiver, losing some secondary people, and they got it right back in the draft, and they got quality players within that. You then add to the offensive line, you get Dantzler at corner. I think this is a guy that can be productive. Um, and then you add to the defensive line and the rest of your secondary from here. So I really like the draft that the Vikings had. Um, it's probably my favorite draft out of the division, and honestly, I'm just going to go ahead and transition this right on into the whole point of the segment. Uh, this is probably the team that I'm going to marry. This is the draft that I'm going to get down on an E4. I'm going to open the box and say, hey, let's do this for life. You know, forever is a long time, and I'm ready to deal with you guys. And then with the, the Bears, I'm honestly probably going to kill them. Uh, you know, I'm not going to Carol Baskin them. I'm just going to kill them. I think the probably the highest quality pick you got was Jalen Johnson in the second round. The Lions are a team that I'm looking at like, hey, we're going to have some fun. You know, like Logan said, you got some nasty guys for the offensive line. You got Jeff Okuda, uh, who I think is going to be a huge help in that Matt Patricia defense. Then you finally get yourself a running back for Matthew Stafford, something he hasn't had. I know Logan's touched up on that quite a bit, so I don't want to, you know, just be a broken record and keep repeating them. But I really kind of like the draft of the Lions this year. 
And then the Packers, I mean, that's the Carol Baskin. You, the One of the deepest receiving classes we've seen in the draft in a long time, and you don't get a single one. I think what makes this even worse is Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee podcast. They were doing a draft special, and he goes, you know what, it would be really cool if we got a skilled player in round one. Uh, you know, about 15 minutes later, they take his future replacement. So kind of an embarrassment moment there. And then they just get a running back that no one was looking at for the second round. And then, again, you don't go any receiver. You don't really get yourself any true defensive line help or linebacker help. Is Christian Kirksey really going to be the answer at your linebacker to help stop the walloping that you faced or received in the NFC Championship game? I don't think so. So the Packers are the Carol Baskin. I don't want anything to do with this. Get out of my face. I'm done with you. All right. So, Austin, we are back after being completely different last episode. Uh, we are back to basically being the same exact thing. So my Mary is the Vikings. Um, I absolutely love everything they did. I love everything about them. I want to grow old with them, and I can't wait. Uh, my, my one night stand here is going to be with the Lions. You know, like Jeff Akuta is really sexy. Like, I, I just can't get over it. Like, I'm, I'm interested here. So uh, Jeff Akuta and the Lions are going to be my one night stand here. Uh, I'm going to kill the Bears. And it's strictly just because, one know what, you didn't have enough draft capital to mess it up too badly. Like, you just didn't. Um, and then, yeah, Carol Baskin, worst person on earth. Uh, how about the worst draft in the NFL this year? And that's the Packers. <laughs> you know, guys, I know it's not good for debate, but I have to agree. I agree with every single selection that you guys made. <laughs> and I think it's a lot to do probably with the amount of draft picks that the Vikings had. You know, you just look at all the talent they brought in. And, you know, usually the more draft picks you have, the more likely you have guys that are going to hit I mean it's truly just a lottery at some times and they they got a lot of nice players even in the late rounds where I was again find myself jealous being a division rival um and the Lions I think they were very solid it's just one of those things where I think day three could have been a little bit better and general managers know more than I do of course but uh they obviously have a role for these guys but I just don't necessarily see it I think there was better players that they could have taken in round three but who knows? I'm not a GM. Uh, but yeah, the Bears probably just kill the Bears. That's that's one where it's like, you know, I like Jalen Johnson. Uh, I think that was their best pick. And considering they didn't have a ton of draft capital, they would have really had to hit a home run. But again, I just don't outside of Jalen Johnson, I don't think they really got any instant impact type of guys. And then the Packers, you just look at them and I, I don't understand their draft one bit. You, you figured Rodgers, who just signed an extension a couple years ago, uh, 36 years old, which is in, in quarterback years, it's getting up there. But you've seen plenty of, you know, Tom Brady and the Drew Brees types, you know, the, the greats can keep playing until they're 40. So I don't know when Jordan Love will even see the field. And it, there's going to come a time much like Rodgers did with Favre, where it's going to probably get pushed out because it's what you do as anytime you draft a quarterback in the first round. And Let's just hope uh, from a Lions standpoint that it, they don't have a third Hall of Famer in a row. Yeah, yeah, for, for Lions sake, absolutely there. Uh, I mean, that's how I feel as a Jags fan with the the Colts, man. You get Peyton Manning. I'm like, oh, finally, Peyton Manning's gone. And then they get Andrew Luck. So, And now I get to deal with Phillip Rivers, who's just a Jaguar killer. So um, absolutely. So, Logan, thank you for coming on again. We appreciate it very much. Uh, it's always great hanging out with you, talking Lions football, talking NFC North football. Uh, we'll be sure to have you on again. 
Yeah, no, guys, I really appreciate you having me. It's always a good time. And we, yeah, let's not wait a year next uh, <laughs> for the yeah. next uh, little podcast we do. So, again, thanks for having me. And, yeah, good time. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's it for tonight's show. And tonight we've been talking football. Thank you.